section ten of china japan and the islands of the pacific this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by jim locke of floyd virginia the world's story volume one china japan and the islands of the pacific edited by eva march tappan section ten manners and customs of confucius's day by rev william spear the northern part of the country was still divided into the several small principalities which had been granted by the emperors at different times to their sons and brothers who constituted the only hereditary nobility of the state and were all tributary to the chief sovereign each of these petty states contained a city where the prince resided and all around it were numerous villages and detached dwellings inhabited by the peasantry who held small farms which they cultivated for their own advantage growing rice and vegetables in abundance so that every poor man could support his family by his own industry they were not held in bondage by the great like the peasantry of europe during the feudal ages and amongst other privileges which they enjoyed were these a ninth part of the land was in common amongst them for pasturage and farming and all the poor were at liberty to fish in the ponds and lakes a right which was denied to the lower orders in feudal countries where the mass of the people were vassals and slaves the peasants of china therefore appear to have been at that period in a better condition than those of any other part of the world working for themselves and paying taxes to their respective princes who by that means raised the tribute which the emperor claimed of them at the time of confucius all taxes and tribute were paid as they are at present chiefly in kind usually as mencius who lived in the next generation says to the amount of about one-tenth of the produce of the earth it is however supposed there was always some sort of coined money current among the chinese and that at a very early period of the monarchy they had coins of gold and silver as well as of lead iron and copper but many ages have elapsed since any other than copper money has been in use among them silver is also used as a medium of exchange beaten out into small bars or pieces and upon these responsible traders generally put their stamp in a small character so that they become in time particularly ragged and broken yet even in these bits adroit rogues make holes which they fill with lead in buying and selling men always scrutinize them carefully and weigh them being always provided with a small pair of scales for that purpose they reckon their accounts by means of an instrument called in the canton dialect the sampan which resembles the roman abacus it consists of a frame across which are fastened thin rods of bamboo but instead of ten balls as with us the chinese use seven 
a cross-bar divides the frame so that the rods have on one side five balls each on the other side two each the two balls on each rod count however five apiece this makes the process of counting more rapid and certain commencing at any convenient rod or row it counts as units the second as tens the third as hundreds the fourth as thousands and so on to count five either the five balls on the lower side of the units row are pushed up or to the middle with the finger or one of the two balls on the other side of it ten is made by the two five balls or by one of them and five of the other balls and thus we go on in each row successively for tens hundreds or thousands for any number between five and ten a five ball is pushed to the middle and the remainder in single balls from the other end of the same row an expert accountant pushes the balls with his fingers as rapidly in adding or subtracting as a player strikes the keys upon a piano it is rarely a mistake is made and when done it is never to the disadvantage of the accountant the invention of the sun pun is attributed to the emperor Ti, the same who is said to have found his way through the forests by means of the compass their arithmetic as well as their weights and measures proceeds universally on the decimal scale and decimal fractions are their vulgar fractions or those in common use it is remarkable that the single exception to this consists in their kin or marketing pound weight which like ours is divided into sixteen ounces or parts this affords another illustration of the common origin of the chinese and our own arithmetic and weights and measures in central asia the roman catholic missionaries relate that when the first of them went to china from europe they found persian astronomers at the chinese court who yielded the field to their superior scientific knowledge there are still many things in the chinese ideas of astronomy which remind us of those of the ancient chaldeans there were public markets in the towns to which the people generally resorted about noon and there were shops also where the artisans pursued their various callings and sold or exchanged with the farmers the produce of their labours for rice and other commodities of which they stood in need beyond the cultivated lands were pastures for sheep and the rest of the country generally consisted of extensive forests inhabited by tigers and other beasts of prey which were so destructive especially among the flocks that great hunting parties were made every spring for the purpose of destroying them and this dangerous sport seems to have been the favourite amusement of the sovereigns and great men of the land for a long series of years trade even with foreign nations appears to have been remarkably free the markets of china were the resorts of foreign merchants before the romans invaded britain and her ports were annually visited by great squadrons of commercial vessels from the red sea the persian gulf ceylon the malabar coast and the coast of coromandel 
the principal weapons used both in war and hunting were bows and arrows consequently the practice of archery was a constant and favourite sport of the great and there were particular rules by which it was conducted as for example the imperial target was the skin of a bear while that of a stag was set up as a mark for a prince to aim at and that of a tiger for the grandees of the court yet the chinese have not often during their long history attempted to enter the lists of the world as a martial nation holding literature as they have done husbandry in far higher estimation than military achievements regarding the man who distinguished himself by his literary attainments beyond him who gained renown by his warlike exploits and the husbandman who laboured in the field as a better member of society than the soldier who fought in it yet the petty princes were frequently at war with each other so that the whole of the empire was seldom quite at peace the education of youth was considered of so much importance that every district was obliged by law to maintain a public school where boys were sent at eight years of age to be instructed in reading writing arithmetic and in their several duties to parents teachers elders and magistrates as well as to their equals and inferiors they were also taught to commit to memory a great number of wise maxims and moral sentences contained in the writings of the ancient sages and many of their lessons were in verse that they might be the more readily learned and remembered a new school was always opened with much ceremony in the presence of the chief magistrate who delivered a discourse to the boys exhorting them to be diligent and submissive to the master and setting forth the advantages of learning which has been in every age the only road to wealth and honours in china at fifteen those who had most distinguished themselves were sent to higher schools where public lectures were given by learned professors on the laws and government of the empire and such subjects as were best calculated to fit them for offices of state to which those who attended these schools usually aspired but which were never bestowed on any but such as had studied profoundly and given proofs of their knowledge subordination submission to the laws to parents and to all superiors and a peaceful demeanour were strictly inculcated this instruction has continued unchanged the chinese says a modern writer teach contempt of the rude instead of fighting with them and the man who unreasonably insults another has public opinion against him whilst he who bears and despises the affront is esteemed a chinese would stand and reason with a man when an englishman would knock him down or an italian stab him it is needless to say which is the more rational mode of proceeding among the arts that are held in high estimation among the chinese is that of writing which was known at so distant a period of their history that it must have been one of their earliest steps in civilization this 
art as practised in china is rather difficult of attainment on account of the number and not very simple formation of the characters yet it was rare to meet even with a poor peasant who could not read and write for rich and poor were all educated alike in the manner just described which is mentioned as the ancient system in books that were written more than two thousand years ago the autographs of distinguished men are highly prized the females of china from the empress to the wife of the meanest peasant practised the spinning and weaving of silk which material from the earliest times known was used for clothing by the poor as well as the rich for the same reason that wool was used by the ancient english because it was the material of which they had the greatest abundance when the king of france says barrow introduced the luxury of silk stockings the peasantry of the middle provinces of china were clothed in silks from head to foot and when the nobility of england were sleeping on straw a peasant of china had his mat and his pillow and the man in office enjoyed his silken mattress the empresses in those days were as zealous in promoting the branches of industry adapted for females by their own example as were the emperors in encouraging agriculture by similar means a plantation of mulberry trees was formed within the gardens of the palace and a house built purposely for rearing the silkworms which were tended by the ladies of the court and often fed by the fair hands of royalty every autumn a festival was held to commemorate the invention of silk weaving when the empress attended by the princesses and ladies of her train made sacrifices in the temple of the earth and then proceeded to her mulberry grove where she gathered leaves and wound the cocoons of silk which were afterwards spun and woven by her own hands into small webs these were carefully preserved for the grand spring festival when they were burned in sacrifice great attention was bestowed on the management of silkworms throughout the whole of the empire and as it had been discovered that those which were fed on mulberry leaves produced a finer kind of silk than the common worms of the forest a law was made by one of the early emperors that every man possessing an estate of not less than five acres should plant the boundary with mulberry trees the difference between the garments of the higher and lower orders consisted in the quality and colours of the silks of which they were composed and the fashion in which they were made the robes of the grandees were often richly embroidered with gold and silver and ornamented with various devices according to their rank and occupation the dress of a literary man was ornamented with a bird worked on a square of black silk on the breast or with the figure of a tiger or some other animal or design and these are among the innumerable customs which have been continued from that time to the present the wars among the princes and the efforts of some of them to render themselves independent of the emperor 
led to a vast deal of disorderly conduct in the several states each petty sovereign being more intent upon his own aggrandizement than on keeping good order among his people who finding that the affairs of government were neglected and the law seldom enforced paid very little attention to them such was the state of the chinese empire when the celebrated philosopher confucius was born in the kingdom of loo one of the small sovereignties in the north of china this event occurred when the ancient greek republics were in all their glory and rome was just beginning to rise into power and greatness the greeks and romans however knew little or nothing of china at that time nor did the chinese imagine there was any truly great empire in the world besides their own an opinion they have maintained even until our own days but on the other hand it is manifest from the remains of great populous and magnificently built cities which stretch in a chain from the mediterranean sea to the countries now embraced by the chinese empire from the historic legends and philology of the nations existing there and from hints in the inspired history which the holy men of palestine have given us that there was kept up an intercourse by caravans across the continent and also by sea between the western and eastern sides of the continent the silk the cassia the camphor the broidered work the ivory the porcelain of china were known through the ages of the old jewish dispensation to the people of india central asia and phoenicia and her neighbours the vessels of solomon hiram king of tyre sailed two monsoons eastward and two monsoons back a period of three years which connected them at the indian archipelago with the commerce which in like manner from the beginning of history has vibrated with the semi-annual monsoon up and down the china sea end of section ten this recording is in the public domain Recording by Jim Locke of Floyd, Virginia.